HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Inside School Food. I'm your host, Laura Stanley. You are listening to our fourth episode. If you've tuned into any of the first three that are now available as podcasts, it's welcome back. Uh, Inside School Food, school, school food sorry, is for school food insiders. Uh, it's a forum for folks who are working in the trenches and listeners who want to learn more about what it's like in there. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in Washington, D.C., where I got acquainted with the not-for-profit D.C. Central Kitchen, or DCCK. If you go to DCCK's website, you'll see that they describe themselves as, quote, America's leader in reducing hunger with recycled food, training unemployed adults for culinary careers, serving healthy school meals, and rebuilding urban food systems through social enterprise. Today, we will be talking about the school meals piece of DCCK's mission, but it's important to remember that what uh, DCCK is doing in schools is embedded in a larger agenda that has been uh, steadily evolving for about 25 years. Uh, they deliver meals to uh, people in need, distribute fresh produce to shops and urban food deserts, and offer culinary job training and job placement for people who are living in the margins. To date, these programs support uh, one another, just uh, not just operationally and financially, but also in their efforts to affect change across communities. Um, as one employee uh, puts it on a video that you can watch on the website, they are treating the soul of the city. And the commitment to community extends beyond the city limits to area farms which supply DCCK with fruit, vegetables, and antibiotic-free beef. Uh, at DCCK's main cooking facility on the edge of town, produce purchased during high harvest is processed and stored for use in the winter. Um, D.C. Public Schools Office of Food and Nutrition Services um, requires that at least 20% of all foods served to kids uh, be grown or processed in the mid-Atlantic region. DCCK purchasing easily surpasses this goal. 
So in today's episode, we're going to visit one of uh, DCCK's uh, school sites. But before we go there, we'll be talking to Ed Kwiatkowski, uh, Director of Food Services, and Katie Nash, who is the program manager for the school's program. Um, Ed is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, who previously led a career cooking for some of D.C.'s most prestigious restaurants. Katie is a registered dietitian with a passion for cooking and working with kids, so it would seem that she's landed her dream job at DCCK. So let's go to our conversation. So Kate and uh, Ed, welcome to Inside School Food. Thank you for having us. Um, so... I, I want to just start out by, by looking at um, where your school meals program fits into your, your larger uh, agenda. How many schools are you serving and how many, how many meals every day for, for kids? Uh, so currently we service 10 schools in the District of Columbia. Um, we have eight schools with D.C. public schools, and then we have two um, private um, academies. One is a uh, girl, uh, a girl's first uh, school for girls, and the second one is a, a boys' academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the meals that we produce each day is about 2,700 meals um, for lunch, approximately 2,100 for breakfast, and we do a supper program, and that typically is um, approximately 900 to 1,000. Right, right. Meals. And and most of your cooking is happening um, at your sites. Yeah, absolutely. We run a from locally sourced, from scratch cooking, and so most of our cooking is finished at the site. We do some bulk processing um, at the, both the nutrition lab and at one of the middle schools, Kelly Miller. Those are our two main production sites. But um, most of the schools do finish their own raw chicken product, uh, raw vegetables. They'll cook at the site, season at the site. Um, with a recipe book that we've written um, for them. Right, right. And I, I know that school meals are um, universal throughout D.C. Would, would you say that the sites um, that you're serving are, are high need? Um, I think that, you know, we're in, primarily in Ward 7 in the district, and I think, um, you know, our, the meals that we produce and the areas that we are over there, are, um, there are students that really count on those meals. Um, for a day for both breakfast to get them started in the day, lunch, and then the supper program. Right. I think with some of the students that the supper program, if they're not eating that or participating, there might not be a meal for them when they go home until the next day. Um, so I think that the need um, is great in the community that we're in. Really? And it, and, that, and that speaks to your larger involvement um, in the community. You're, you're so integrated. Um, and so how does your, your school program fit into everything else that you're doing at D.C. Central Kitchen? Um, I mean, it's just it's one of the cornerstones, I think, of um, our, our program or some of our programs at D.C. Central Kitchen. And the, um, the revenue that's generated from that program goes right back into our culinary jobs training program. But we also, um, as you had said, we're, we're in the community not only providing um, locally sourced from scratch, you know, wonderfully prepared um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but we're also in there with our Healthy Corners program. And um, we work with them in conjunction with um, our coworkers um, in the community, meaning you'll find some of the same food products that are on our menu mm-hmm. um, also in some of these corner stores. And it's this Healthy Corners program that really ties in 
the school food service program and our vested interest in the community with providing access to affordable produce, fruit and vegetables, pre-prepared fruits um, that are affordable to the people in the community. Right, right. And and when I visited the kitchen, um, we we I saw that there was a really um, interesting um, tie into the way staff. Uh, that are working in school food are also, you know, you, you can transition folks um, from one program to another pretty seamlessly because of the way you run the program. Can you talk about how that works and how that kind of helps you make the most of the people you've got? Absolutely. I mean, one of the, the great um, benefits of having a culinary jobs training program, a CJT program, is that we can you know, employ some of those graduates in the very many programs that D.C. Central Kitchen services. And we can cross-train them pretty readily because we'll know, you know, their skill set. Um, everyone that graduates is uh, safe certified and trained in their knife cuts. So we can easily move, um, let's say, a school foods employee um, that's working at the lab to maybe um, – you know, doing vegetables for healthy corners or to do as part of our catering operation. Mm-hmm. And you also talked to me about how you um, are able to work on processing over the summer. So you're, you're getting a lot of your, your locally purchased fresh produce in, and you're preparing it for use later in the season because you've got the staff on hand to, to do that. How does that work? Absolutely. So in part of our contract, we need to provide um, a certain percentage of locally sourced um, foods. And I think throughout the early fall and the spring, those are readily available. But in the leaner times, in the winter, um, we bulk process um, over both over the summer and into the fall when those um, ingredients are, are at a better cost. They're less expensive. They're plentiful. And that their peak flavor, we're able to process them at the nutrition lab, and we do, you know, we pre-prepare, we cryovac them, and then we pull them out, you know, in in sort of those leaner times to be able to use as local ingredients on our menu. Right, and it keeps your staff um, employed year-round. I I wonder if if you could speak to, you know how um, a more standard self-op uh, school food operation might adopt some of those practices uh, in terms of the, the, the season extension that, that you do? I mean, I think anybody, you know, can do it. It's just a question of, of you know, putting your resources towards and committing to doing it. Um, and I think a lot of times you might have standard school food operation. You might have employees that, you know, want to take the summer off. Our, most of our employees would like to work over the summer, and in order for them, you know, to stay employed, this is an, a great um, option for them. You know, they can do bulk processing, still, you know, you know, draw a paycheck, and then, you know, once the school year starts up, they can go back to work. So I think really any school food service operation um, can do it. It's just, you know, committing the resources and making the commitment, um, you know, to, to do that. So, Katie, I'm, I'm really interested in talking to you about what happened when you moved into the sites you're in now and, um, as, as Ed would say, took the Big Daddy pizza away from the kids. And, and you, you really went cold turkey in, in that you uh, introduced this fresh menu um, to them. What happened? Well, when we first entered the schools, um, it really 
you know, wasn't received well. I think going from a school food program where they were receiving pizza every day or they had the option to get chicken nuggets and french fries all the time, um, having, you know, fresh produce and, uh, you know, chicken that's not breaded and, and other products is, is a little bit, you know, not well received <laughs> when it was first going on. So um, it took a lot in order to gain their trust get them to try new foods, for them to be more receptive to it. Um, I have a a couple of different programs that I work with the kids all the time just to kind of get them more involved with the choices, with, you know, creating their menus, um, giving them the choice of healthy versus healthy. So we'll take, you know, broccoli, we'll prepare it multitude of ways, three different ways, and say, okay, so here's broccoli, and it's prepared X, Y, and Z. Which way do you like the most? So they're able to have that choice, that exposure, so it's not so new, it's not so foreign. Um, and then when they see it on their plates, they, they know that that's something that they chose for themselves. And so it's a little bit more empowering for them to know that they can create their menus and that the food isn't as scary as it they once thought. Right, right. And this is the program that you call Fresh Feature Fridays? Correct. Yeah, yeah. this is Fresh Feature Friday, which is now two years in the making, um, we continue to develop and, and work on that, and we've tied it in with plate waste studies just to see, you know, what kind of impact is this program making. And we've seen great, great results in terms of um, reduced plate waste when you're able to expose the kids, when you give them that buy-in and that say in, in how they, you know, create their menus. We've tried everything. Um, the list goes on and on. Beets we've done. Um, and actually, the winner for that one was pickled beets, which mm-hmm. was a very interesting choice, and they got that on, on their supper menu. Um, we've done cauliflower, we've done broccoli, we've done collard greens, spinach, black beans. Um, the chili black beans were a huge success. Um, chickpeas. I mean, the list really does go on and on. Right. right. A little bit of everything. We sometimes survey them and say, what do you guys want to see? What do you want to try? Yeah. Um, butternut squash was one that they tried in the fall. So we try to hit them with some of the harder vegetables, not just your baby carrots. That might be super familiar. Some of those things that, frankly, you know, we'll have kids that say, well, what's that? I've never seen that before. So that's really cool to give them that new exposure to something they've never tried. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting them to eat beets. I, I'd like to get my kid to eat beets. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, and they love them, too. It, it's really shocking to see. I mean, I think we... When we first did beets, that was definitely one of them that we looked and we were like, well, we'll see how many of them like this one. But um, it was so surprising when we actually got in there and we started working with the kids. And luckily, we have a great chef on staff. Ed does a great job in his preparation of these um, products. But, you know, the kids would like multiple. They, we did a roasted beet salad that also went over very well. We included that on our supper menu. Um, but you'd be so surprised, I think, that... We sell kids short sometimes that, you know, oh, they're just not going to like that, so we're not even going to try. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be surprised when you give them a chance that they actually do like a lot of things. Right. We're, we're, also, we're also not their parents, so it probably makes them easier to, uh, to get them to eat it as well. Well, there's a lot to be said for that, but you're also reaching back to the parents so that, that the kids um, can go home and talk about it with their parents or, or encourage their parents to buy what you're serving at school. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, we actually have a cooking series going on right now that, that works with the parents at one of our schools, and that's been just an amazing um, experience being able to you know, bring some of the recipes or the ingredients and 
the things that we use in the schools and we serve to the kids and teaching the parents how to make it at home. Um, and they've been, they've come back every single class. You know, they look forward to it. We see the kids at school and they're excited about it. And um, we've gotten some really great feedback. But in addition to that, you know, at some of our food demonstrations, we try as best we can to get them recipe cards. So, you know, the kids like, you know, the salad we served yesterday was a strawberry um, and salad greens made yesterday, and we were able to give a recipe to, for the kids to take home in, in hopes that the parents would be able to, you know, make it themselves. And even in, in conjunction with that, um, had the strawberries and the salad greens available at our corner store so that parents are able to easily access those items in their community. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that, and it's your culinary staff that are teaching these classes? Um, it was actually, this class in particular um, was, is done by, conducted by Ed, myself, um, and Janelle Walker, who, who runs the Healthy Corners right. program. Um, and so, you know, we are able to do that class. We also have Brown over at Walker Jones teaching cooking classes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely try to tie in as much staff as possible. Um, even at the, the class that I'm speaking of that is going on right now, Samita Thomas or Sina Harrison, who works at Thomas, she's very much involved. And she's a lead at one of our schools. So she sees those parents and those families every single day. Yeah. Um, so it really makes a difference. Yeah, and it makes it more meaningful for them. So last but not least, Katie, I, you, you uh, mentioned earlier um, the effect on participation. So when you first introduced this uh, farm fresh food, um, your participation went through the floor and then it came back up. Um, and, and, and then you've done these plate weight studies that look at the effect that Fresh Future Fridays have had directly on participation. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, so in terms of our participation in our schools, I mean, I think we, we do very well. Um, we have a lot of the student body participating um, in the school meals program. In particular, um, with the plate waste study, however, we've looked directly at that particular vegetable and seen what's our consumption beforehand um, and what is, you know, what's the baseline, essentially, of what, how we're currently preparing the product. Um, after we do the intervention, a.k.a. the Fresh Future Friday, we you know, go back after the fact when it's served that new um, chosen way and we'll see, you know, what kind of impact has this had. And we've seen some really great results in terms of the consumption has gone up, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30, depending on the vegetable, um, 20, 30, sometimes 50 percent, mm-hmm. um, which is very, very encouraging just to know that you can make a difference when you when you do put a little bit extra into your program. Right. And then for, for any district that's contemplating doing what you did, that is making that, that dramatic switch from, from one kind of menu to a very different, more uh, fresh menu, um, you know, words of wisdom, encouragement? Um, really just, you know, it, like I've said before, it's about where you put your resources. Um, in particular with the Plateway study, I'd like to touch about that in conjunction with American University, and they have done... Um, so much in terms of making sure that those tests run smoothly, and, and they're really the ones that make it all happen on the ground level. So, you know, if you're looking to do those types of studies, partnering with um, some local universities who have graduate students who are looking to do these types of projects, that can give you some really great backing into your program. So if you're going to invest in something, you'd like to have some numbers to back it up. and. Um, so that's really one way that we've been able to get a lot out of that partnership with American University. They just do great work. Um, we provide them with, you know, the tools in order to make it happen, and, and we both benefit in the end. Um, so I would definitely think that that's a great, 
I think also, you know, in terms of this type of program, it's just a commitment to do it. Um, you know, a from scratch, locally sourced program, it's just the commitment to do it. And that has to be um, not only for the company providing it, but the food, the, the school, you know, that you're, you're being serviced, or the school system, and for everyone to be on the same page because there are some growing pains in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot of pushback. Well, we want this and we want that. And I almost think it's best to do it cold turkey, just to say, I'm sorry, this is the new <laughs> revamped option. These are your options. Your, your participation will take a hit in the beginning. But eventually, I think through some of the programs, like Katie has mentioned, you know, the education and being out there and, the you know, being in the community and, and, and just really having them try it um, over and over again, that, you know, you'll eventually get your participation participation back up and it's based on your quality of meal so if you're putting out a quality product um they'll come great well um that's uh, words from the wise the words of experience uh thank you so much for sharing both of you ed kwitaski and katie nash from dc central kitchen i look forward to hearing how things go for you moving forward Absolutely. thank you keep in touch The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. You're listening to Inside School Food. Today's episode is about school meal service by D.C. Central Kitchen, a not-for-profit dedicated to food justice and community empowerment. What you're about to hear is from my visit to one of DCCK's school sites about two weeks ago. I met with the site manager, Chef Christina Brown, who is a graduate of Johnson & Wales. We met at the beginning of lunchtime, which was my idea. I thought it would be fun to hang out with the kids in the cafeteria and maybe talk to a few But it didn't work out because they love Christina too much. She spends a lot of time with them. She routinely eats with them and talks to them about good food. So when she and I sat down at a table by the door, uh, she had to fend them off. The little ones were running up and wrapping their arms around her. So we retreated to the stage where we sat behind a curtain. It was still plenty loud, as you will hear. Uh, it's lunchtime. Yeah. And I'm here with Christina Brown, who's production manager for Walker Jones Education Campus here in D.C. And, um, Christina, you're a professional chef. Yes, I am. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I've been doing this for probably going on about eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, not particularly at this school, but just cooking. Um, I have a background in culinary school. I've worked in restaurants. Um, 
pretty much just food service cafeterias. So right, right. So, so as a professional, you're you're running a, a trained staff here. This is unusual in a school. T- yeah. t- tell me, you know, what they're prepared to do under your supervision. It's uh, unusual. The staff here are pretty much prepared to do anything. They portion fish. They um, they can pill. They can fry. They can roast. Um, we make sauces a lot. We make different sauces for the pastas and for the meats. Um, we do a lot of ethnic food here. So we've done Indian food, Ethiopian food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, do, we do a lot of Asian-inspired yeah. food. We have theme days. Yeah. I think we have Ukrainian day coming up. So yeah. they're able to um, receive a recipe, read it, and actually follow it out. And the food is its great. And it's yeah. great to see that they can do that. We have some people that have come through uh, our job training program, mm-hmm. so they get the skills that they need to work in a commercial kitchen. And right. so they take those skills and then they bring them here. Right. And so they get to use them. And and, and that includes uh, um, ability to handle raw meat and raw poultry, which yes. is also highly unusual in school kitchens. Yes. So tell me how that works. Um, that works. We... To get them to that point, there's a lot of training involved. Like, uh, we do trainings throughout the year. They, and then once they're here, I show them. I always demo mm-hmm. how to do something so that they understand how to do it the right way. Um, we have sanitizers. They know that once you're handling something in the area that uh, might be dangerous, mm-hmm. like chicken, they know that you prep it in that area. Once you're done, you wash it. Um, so they they know that the risk of making someone sick, and especially because we're feeding children, mm-hmm. so their immune systems are a little different, and someone who's a little older than them. So right, right, right. They're very careful about right. that. Right. So we have this fabulous lunch in front of us here, and I, I've just um, tasted some of it, and it's all really good. So um, tell me what's on the menu for today. Today they have roasted cauliflower, uh, local carrot sticks with ranch dip, mm-hmm. uh, orange wedges, and uh, buffalo chicken tender in a whole wheat wrap. Okay. So why don't we move through this one item at a time. The chicken uh, cooked on site. Yes, the, kick, the chicken is cooked on site. Mm-hmm. We The day before, we wash and uh, season, and then we let it marinate for a little less than 24 hours. So we'll let it sit, and then the next morning when we come in, we'll pan it up on the sheet trays, and then we'll begin to cook it off uh, maybe around like 9, 9.30, because the first lunch will start at 11, right. so that there's enough food um, to put out on the line and mm-hmm. enough food to be sent for the children that eat inside of their classroom. Right, right. And you're making your own marinade, right? Yes, we make our own marinade. Um, this particular one had some lemon juice, some uh, mustard powder, some onion powder, garlic, uh, paprika. Um, we use buffalo sauce mm-hmm. to give it the saucy texture. Uh, of the salt and pepper, just things to give it um, a lot of flavor, especially because when you're feeding such a large amount of children, or just people, you have to sometimes use a cheaper piece of meat. Mm-hmm. It's like a chicken tender, so you have to season it heavily and give it a lot of seeds, like flavor so that it tastes good. And so we've been able to do that, and the kids love it. This and, is actually yeah. one of their favorites. And you're, and you're pulling this off at a pretty low sodium level, too. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's great. Okay, so that's the chicken. And then um, you you have to keep on cooking the chicken throughout the course of meal service. Is that yes. right? 
So you're not just done now. You're not you're not closing up. No. Your staff is still at work until what time? Uh, they're still at work until three o'clock. So yeah. what'll happen is we'll we'll cook. The cooking will stop probably around twelve forty-five because the next lunch starts at one o'clock. So then by that time, the only thing that's left is to clean. Um, but up until that time, they're cooking, and we're also prepping for the next day. Right. So the point is that the food is not sitting around getting tired, is it? No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I should just say that the colors on the plate are super bright. Um, so so they, let's go to the next bright, delicious thing is those carrots in the homemade ranch dressing. Tell me about that. Um, our homemade uh, ranch dressing, uh, we use fresh buttermilk, fresh um, sour cream, um, we can use a little bit of yogurt. We use a lot of um, dry herbs, so dill, thyme, uh, parsley. We put a little uh, garlic powder in there, and then we just whisk it up. And it's actually a lot better than, tastes a lot different than what you would get from the store. Mm-hmm. So we've had to kind of train the kids on eating that, uh, but they love it now. Right, right. Yeah. So when you said you had trouble with acceptance, you know, it's like the first time you served this ranch dressing, the reaction was what? Um, they thought it tasted strange. Yeah. They were like, why does it taste like that? Uh, so we've had to kind of um, educate them on what's in this and what's in the bottle dressing that you may get from the store. Um, so I've actually had to do that. Like, I've showed them and help them to understand that you can actually pronounce everything that's in this dressing Mm -hmm. and you might not be able to on the one from the store. Um, So that's that's been the easiest way to do it because a lot of them, especially the younger ones, are learning to read. Mm -hmm. So I do it like that so that they understand it. So I've had them read, like I've showed them a recipe and just had them read and they're like, oh, I know what that is and that is and that is. But then I'll show them the ingredient list on a bottle from the store and it's like a 15-letter word and they have no idea what that is. Right, right. So that's how we use it to kind of educate them. Yeah. Oh, that that is so exciting. Yeah. And then the carrots are really sweet and crunchy. They're just raw. Yeah. Our kids like them. Mm -hmm. They're just raw. We just peeled and cut them into six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then and we have cauliflower, which I just sampled. And that's pretty simple. Yeah. You just roasted it off? Yeah, we just uh, toss it in a little bit of uh, olive oil, um, salt and pepper, some onion powder, um, and garlic powder. Uh, and then just put on a sheet tray and just bake it off, bake it off for about 15 minutes. Right, right. Yeah. And most kids are notoriously averse to cauliflower, but yeah. here, this is a healthy portion here, so are they, are they eating it? Um, some of the kids eat it, some mm-hmm. of them don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like to do is, if the child would say, well, I don't like that, and they've not tasted it, that's what's happening all the time. So I ask them, like, well, if you taste it, and then you can decide if you don't like it, and then if you don't, you never have to eat it ever again. Okay. And doing that, they've actually discovered that they do like it. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to get them to taste it. And once they taste it, then they'll buy it. Right, right. And I should add, as a crowning touch, all of this delicious lunch is on a compostable tray, which is basically made with a, some kind of a vegetable starch. Yeah. Tray, right? Yeah. And, and composting is something that children also understand. That's another educational component of, yeah. of lunch. Um, and I know that D.C. is expanding its um, composting program in school foods uh, in, the, uh, in the cafeterias, and that's something I'm looking forward to talking about in a future episode. Okay. You're also composting in your kitchen, you said, right? Yeah, we do compost in our kitchen. Um, any uh, vegetables that we cut, 
um, go into uh, we green bins out in the back, so those go in there, and then a separate company will come and pick those up. We have another company for all of our canned um, items, and actually, the thing about it, the tray could probably go in with the vegetables. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Christina. This has thank been a you. delicious lunch and a great conversation. So I uh, look forward to catching up with you, you know, when I'm back in D.C. Okay. Thank All right. you. Bye. After I turned off the mic, I told Christina that I was jealous and I wanted her fantastic job. I, I want to see up close and personal every day the way she does that this kind of change in the lunchroom is possible. Because without the kind of energy I got from visiting with Christina and her students and talking to Katie and Ed, it it can be hard to go on believing. School food is in such a negative space these days. The media has been hard on the new nutrition standards without apparently knowing much about them. I've been reading everything for months thanks to Google Alerts, which drops new material from all over the country into my inbox every day. It's mostly negative and superficial, which is not helpful to you school food insiders or the children you're charged with caring for. Wherever you fall in the debate over the new regs, I think we can all agree that we could use a better informed and more engaged press. I encourage you uh, to visit us on Facebook, where you can find a link to DC Central Kitchen and um, lots of great stuff about what they're doing. And while you're there, please remember to like us and really tell us what you think. You have been listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I am Laura Stanley. Join us next week when we talk to folks in Jefferson County, Colorado, where scratch-cooked sustainable local chicken is on school menus twice a month. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.